Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner and joining me at the King Power Stadium today is Jordan Blackwell. Hi Rob. And we've just um, sat through Claude Puel's press conference to preview the visit of Crystal Palace here on Saturday. Um, a fixture that hasn't gone particularly well for Leicester City <laughs> recently in the recent meetings between the two clubs, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, in traditional style, we will kick off with the team news, and there's some worrying news for Leicester City. Yes, uh, there are doubts over both Chilwell and Madison, obviously two of Leicester's key players, both players that would would almost certainly start if they were fully fit. Um, they're both going to have uh, sort of fitness, late fitness tests tomorrow, so they're going to check how they are to see if they... Um, they are available to make the game. We don't think they've um, trained today, do we? No, we can't. We don't think they've trained, um, which suggests to me that perhaps they're more than niggles. Um, but certainly, Poirot said he was hopeful, but he was also quite keen to suggest. But I don't want it. To, I, he doesn't want it to be seen like it's a big loss if they've not got them because he has confidence in his other players. Now he made a point of saying that, suggesting perhaps that they may not make it. Um, but other than that, it's as expected, really. Both Amate and Albrighton still out. We know that they're, you know, they're uh, both been on the sidelines for a while. Certainly, Amate has been on the sidelines for a while, but we think Albrighton will be on the sidelines for a while. He's had his um, operation now, and it's been a success from what we've been told. Yes, so, yes. So, but it's still probably going to be away. yeah close to the end of the season for for Albrighton. Maybe Amate next month. We think. Um, we might see him towards the end of next month. Uh, so the only other one is Papi Mendy, who was due to start against Spurs and then got injured in the warm-up. Um, he's now fit and back in training. Um, so an almost fully fit squad, but yeah, I think the key ones are those doubts over Chilwell and Madison. Which is a real concern and a real shame, actually, as well, because um, I know the results have been pretty poor. If you look at uh, if you just looked at it and, and saw the last five games, one point um, picked up, you'd think, well, what a team in a slump, but... I saw against Spurs really bright signs, especially that midfield with Madison and Tielemans playing in front of the Diddy. And I thought that brought more balance to the side. And uh, and Harvey Barnes, I know he missed a lot of chances, but he was getting in positions, he was direct. They felt like after that game that, yeah, they'd lost again, but uh, another, another defeat to one of the top six sides in the recent weeks. But it just felt like they were close to something. And now to lose Chilwell, who was outstanding at Wembley, and potentially Madison as well. Just feels like nothing seems to go right for Clawpool at the moment. As soon as he feels like he's making a, a, some sort of um, step forward, some he hits some sort of wall. Yeah, I th- yeah, it, it would be disappointing if we didn't get to to see that eleven again, or well, maybe with Vardy instead of Gray, and judge them better on home. Sort yeah, of, because yeah. I think that's the sort of performance you want to see, and you want to see whether that sort of performance is good enough to break down the teams that come. You know, Leicester have now got a run of games of, uh, against teams that don't have the quality of, say, Christian Eriksen, who's going to ping a ball into the corner from, from 20 yards. Um, you know, so so Leicester, you would think Leicester have a better chance. So, yes, it, if they did, if Madison and, and Chilwell weren't fit, it, it would be disappointing because of how well everything seemed to click um, at Wembley. And do you think, though, if he loses, say they're both ruled out for this game, Christian Fuchs will automatically come in at left-back. That's... Yes. But who then comes in for Madison? I mean, Tiedemans is already playing in that more advanced role. And I just, as I said, I like that balance. But they haven't got anybody else, really, that can play in that box-to-box attacking midfield role. I think he would probably go for Barnes. 
I know Barnes has been. I think Barnes is better on the left because of the you can make more direct runs into the box. Um, but I think he would probably go for Barnes in the middle, maybe Gray on the left and Gazal on the right. Um, that would pro- that seems to make most sense for me. But yes, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there are there's anybody really that that does what Madison does. There isn't. This don't really have a backup. But previously, when Madison's not played, they've played Okazaki there or Iheanacho there. But you wouldn't say they've quite got the the abilities that Madison has, and particularly I know well described the formation at um, at Spurs as a four three three with sort of maybe Madison dropping a little bit deeper to collect the ball, um, and certainly you wouldn't see Okazaki or Ionacho doing that. So yeah, so I think if Madison isn't available, I think Barnes will move inside. Well, I think Pill will go back to defensive mode. I think he'll bring either Mendy back or bring in Hamza Chowdhury. I, I think, and I, I, I would disagree with that. I would like to see them being a bit more attacking, especially against a side that I mean, sides that come to the King Power Stadium know what they've got to do now. They've got to take advantage of Leicester City's slow start, and then when they've got something to defend, they'll sit deep and say, "Come on, then break us down," because they've seen time after time that Leicester City haven't been able to break them down. Uh, and I, I just feel that he might go back towards his more defensive Puel. Surely he's learnt though. I think yeah, you would hope, but perhaps he did, felt he didn't have the players to play the way he wanted to play before. But now with Tielemans in and then Madison playing there, perhaps he saw something at Spurs and he thought, well, yeah, we want to carry on with that. That's that's the, 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 the answer to our problems. But... You never know. Without Madison, you might revert to type. I, t- I suppose we'll only we'll only see yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard. It's difficult Saturday. to predict. It a, is. A it is. Lineup. Um, oh, it has been this season because he's chopped and changed so much. But uh, I just felt at Spurs, as I've said already, that that you were close to something then. And I know you did a piece, Jordan, didn't you? Was saying, look, this team now is getting to the stage where you could pretty predict most of them. There was just that sort of right side of the attack sort of position. Was it Demar Gray? Was it Rashid Gazelle? Although, if Vardy plays, and we've just talked about Vardy in a minute, um, it's got to be great for me. But um, Jamie Vardy, now then. He was left out against Spurs, controversially. Uh, Claude said it was because he wanted to look at other options. And he's talked about the reasons again today, why he left him out, because he wanted to look again at Damari Gray. He's, he's got real hopes that Damari play in that position uh, long-term in his career. And there's a, a nice line in the uh, in, in the embargo section that you won't be able to read online till uh, Friday night about that. Um, but um, Jamie Vardy, do you think he'll come back? Uh, yes, I think so. I think I'm not sure I buy Puel's reasoning that no, uh, I don't. That, that all he wanted to do was experiment uh, with Gray and see if Leicester and yeah. to try and develop other options. I'm not sure that's the sort of thing you do wasn't at this point of the season. It's the sort of thing you would do either in pre-season or say with three games to go, in the two or three games to go in the season when you know you're going to finish between two or three places. When Leicester can, I know, Leicester can probably finish as high as seventh and if they're absolutely dreadful, they could end up finishing 18th. Um, but yeah, it's not really the time to, to experiment. So I didn't buy his reasoning and I think really was to do with the, the the comments made after the Manchester United game that were picked up on TV um, that, uh, made by Vardy what, seemingly towards Puel he, he'd never confirmed that and obviously we've not heard from Vardy but it seems it's something to do with that even if there's not been an actual uh, bust up between the pair uh, but I think given he brought Vardy on at Spurs I think he will now go back uh, and, and start Vardy uh, against Palace particularly as he says 
Leicester, I mean, at Leicester at, at Spurs lacked the clinical edge. That's what he, he said. It was a complete game, but without the clinical edge. And then later he said, the only player with that clinical edge in his team is Jamie Vardy. Although, um, although he has hopes that Demario Gray will develop. Yes, but as he but gets at, older, at the minute, it's only Vardy. And you would say that's right. He's he's got that striker's instinct, and we saw that Gray perhaps doesn't have that. I, and I, I I agree with you. I think it was. Uh, I think if if Claude Puel had any sort of doubt whether that was aimed at him or not, uh, and if he would have seen that as a, a little challenge to his authority, I think, and uh, he would have had to deal with it, I suppose, just to send a message to the rest of the camp that he's the man in charge. And I mean, it was a big call, though, wasn't it? I mean, he's already getting a lot of stick from some supporters, and uh, he was, um, you know, that one will obviously create a lot of controversy amongst the fans as well. There was, we heard the chants during the game of "Hallelujah!" when Vardy was about to come on, and. I know he came on and missed a penalty, but he hit the goal where he did score, um, getting across the front of the defender to get get onto the end of a low cross. He's probably the only player that could score those goals at the moment. With that, he's the only one with that instinct inside the area. Nacho, for me, needs something needs to happen with him in terms of his confidence and that. And I don't know whether to play, give, yeah. best to give him a game in the under twenty threes or something just to keep him getting used to scoring goals again. But. Um, yeah, yeah, Vardy at the moment is the only one that seems to be have that poacher's sort of instinct inside the penalty box. Yeah, I think Ian Acho, maybe an inform Ian Acho would have it. Um, I think we probably saw enough of that at Manchester City. But certainly you wouldn't say that, although Gray was a very willing runner at, at Spurs and he, he got himself into decent positions and he had that, you know, he sort of pulled away from his marker to have that, uh, that header um, that he should have done better with. But kind of a dart across the front post between the two centre-backs timing it exactly right I think Vardy, Vardy made it look very easy but I think it's it's a lot more difficult than 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 it looked because it just looked like a, a tapping from a couple of yards but I think yeah getting the timing right finding the gap between the two centre-backs making sure neither are close enough to you um, yeah that's it it's, it is a real skill and, and yeah I think at the minute Vardy's the only one that possesses that yeah. Uh, so if he thought he had an issue with one senior player before the game at Tottenham, then <laughs> Peter Schmeichel goes on telly for BN Sport, makes a few comments about his son Casper and about Claude's ability to lead this uh, Leicester City side. And uh, uh, it's fair to say they didn't go down too well. Uh, it probably was the last thing Claude needed before that game to hear that. I mean, if anybody that wasn't aware, Peter Schmeichel. Um, basically said that City have got a team with potential but just got, haven't got the right man in charge at the moment. It doesn't seem to be able to get the best out of this team. And, and I know a lot of City fans will probably agree with that, but the fact that it was the father of the captain saying it uh, on the day um, on national television, sort of, well, not international television, isn't it, BN Sport, uh, probably didn't go down too well. No, um, I mean, he's, he, he brushed them off a little bit today. Uh, he certainly didn't want to get into a war of words with, with Peter Schmeichel. Um, but he did say he had a chat with with Casper um, about them. Uh, the mainly Peter's suggestion that Casper was looking to leave Leicester City, um, or certainly wanted to challenge challenge himself. I think Peter Schmeichel said that if he wants to stay in England, there possibly aren't that many opportunities. And I would agree with that. I don't think, in terms of the goalkeepers currently at the top six teams, I don't think Schmeichel was better than any of them. Um, and I think they're probably, you know, they're all fairly sort of settled in their teams. Or their new goalkeepers, like the likes of Kepper and Allison, aren't going to be replaced just yet. Lloris is definitely going to be Spurs' number one. You know, nobody's overtaking De Gea at United unless he leaves. Um, 
So I think there's a yes, I think that's what Puel was was looking to clarify with with Casper, and obviously he's, he signed a long contract last summer, um, and Puel had the chat with with him, and, and the goalkeeper seems to have suggested that yes, he is happy at Leicester, um, but yes, certainly they're not the sort of comments that you want to hear uh, from a from a player's dad, but particularly a, a really key player's dad. Um, because obviously all, all sorts of things come out of that and the suggestions that, well, is he get, where is he getting this information? You would suggest he's getting that information from Casper. Why is he saying it? Is he trying to make a point of, of saying it? Is it the sort of thing he should be keeping private? There are lots of questions around it, but I think Poir was fairly diplomatic about it and wasn't willing to, um, you know, wasn't willing to fight his, his, his corner. Well, his team certainly picked up some uh, plaudits for their display at Tottenham. Uh, I think most people would say it was a decent display from City, albeit in defeat. Um but it's now time where he needs points on the board, doesn't he? One point for us, five, as we said. Three straight defeats at home as well. Two of those against Southampton and Cardiff. It's been a real Achilles heel. I think if you look at the home form table, Leicester City are 15th in the table. In the away form, they're 8th. And I know you did a stat this uh, this week about uh, their second half displays away from home where they would be top of the table yeah. if those games, if those sort of performances and those results... Uh, were transferred to the whole ninety minutes, but um, it's going to—it's been a real problem. And these two games now, for me, take on extra significance for Claude. There's an added importance. There's extra pressure on these two performances because there are an element of the support that aren't happy. And if they, all they ever see is the home games, then they will get the impression that this team is not going anywhere. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. I think there's—they've got to prove that they can beat these teams. If you look at the last two games against similar sorts of teams against Cardiff and Southampton. Cardiff, they didn't create a lot. Obviously, they had the penalty missed by Madison. Then they went and up conceding the, the last-minute screamer. Against Southampton, I would say it was even worse, given they had you know, a whole half against 10 men. Mm. Um, they ran out of ideas against Southampton. They did, and they just didn't seem to know what to do. Obviously, they, they, created, the, they created the chance for Ndidi, which he scored. And it seems like they, oh, you know, they've got another 35 minutes here in which to, to get a second. Um, but then they seemed to lose all kind of idea of what was going to break Southampton down and just kept chipping crosses into the box that, that, that Southampton's defenders kept heading away um, at Spurs they, they did show cause, because Spurs had taken the lead they sat back a little bit on, the, on, that, uh, on their lead um, and Leicester did actually break them down and this is, the, you know, this is not a, a defence of a, you know, a bottom half team this is one of the best defences in the league um, you know, with international class and Leicester were breaking them down and so I think now that needs to, to be seen at home um, like you say I think there are fans with grievances um, a right to have those grievances if they only see their, their home games which for you know for lots of fans that is the case um, but yeah I think there's a the importance comes because they need points and they've got now got nine games in a row where they don't face any of the top six, uh, and certainly they will, you know, I think most fans will expect probably four or five, at least four or five wins from those uh, from those nine games because they don't want to be in the bottom half. They're at the bottom of that mid-table group. They don't want to be dragged into the bottom, the the relegation battling group. Um, so yeah, they they do need some points. It's a really important end to the season. There might not, on the face of it, be a lot to play for for Leicester City in terms of trophies, in terms of European qualification. That seventh spot 
still mathematically available, but you know, you think the longer this goes on with the terms of their their points tally, it's not going to be uh, feasible. But there's still a lot to be played for by, for these players, for Claudio's future at the club as well. I mean, obviously, we don't know what, how Top's feeling about the situation. I know his father was very happy with the, the idea of developing a young squad, and if you look at Claudio's record, that's exactly what he's done. Throughout his managerial career, at every club he's been at, he's brought on young players that have gone on and, and, and achieved things. But there, there has to be a balance with points on the board as well. He has to get the results to keep that momentum going and to keep that development going because there won't be, there'll be people that won't be happy with that. No, and I think that yeah, I think that's the the key thing in terms of the end of the season. How important it is, I think it is for Puel's future because he has to he has to prove. That they've improved on last year. If there's no, pro- if it doesn't look like they're making they're making any progress, then why keep him? Because mm. you know, if they're not making getting any points on the board, maybe another manager could come in and, and utilize this squad better. Um, so I think that's going to be the key. You know, showing that year on year there has been some improvement. Um, the at the minute they are they're shy of probably in terms of points they're probably shy of where they need to be. Uh, but they do have a on paper they have a kind run of fixtures in which to to claw that back. Um, so it'll certainly be interesting. Uh, I'm genuinely, even if it's not quite the excitement that you get from being at the top or the bottom of the table, um, it will be interesting these final twelve games. Well, what is interesting as well, we're going to have the oldest manager. Premier League manager here on Saturday, Roy Hodgson, 71, and still going strong with Crystal Palace. And he's also got an excellent record against Claudeville. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's an odd one that Leicester's worst record under Puel is against a team like Palace, who are you know a similar um, in a similar place in the table, usually below Leicester. But yeah, three games for Puel against Palace uh, so far, and it's... Uh, won none, drawn none, lost three, scored none, conceded nine, uh, which really does not make good reading. Um, and even in the last game, they didn't have Zahar available unless they still contrived to lose. Um, so, yeah, it seems like Hodgson's got one over on, on Puel, seems to have worked him out. Um, certainly, it's um, it's interesting that he is breaking the record for the oldest ever manager. Uh, Claude Puel was asked about that today and he said, he doesn't really see himself managing at 71. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting tactical battle because it does seem like, of, of all the managers, for some reason it seems like Hodgson's the one that's that's got the best idea of how to, to stop Poil and his team. And we've had some uh, really disappointing ones away from home. Um, I remember that drubbing at uh, Sellers Park. I mean, it's a great atmosphere there, but that was a day that everybody, every Leicester City fan wants to forget. So I won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> and I'll move on to the message that um, Claude had for the supporters about these young lads that he's trying to uh, develop uh, in the blue shirt. Um, what's he said to them? Well, I think it's worth clarifying because there was, obviously after the Manchester United game, the last home game, there was a few boos at the end of the game, um, which, to be honest, I thought was probably a little bit harsh given the performance and given how, you know, given the form Manchester United were in. Um, and then Chilwell came out and said afterwards that it, it would be nice if fans were patient with the team, uh, but he also said he can understand any frustration around results because he knows there is quality in the squad. That was put to, to Puel, and he said, yes, he would like to see strong strong support. Those are the words he used uh, for his players. Um, 
he didn't he didn't focus on it too much because I think he he knows really it's about Leicester putting in a performance that gets the fans behind the team rather than the fans putting in the support to produce a performance. Um, but yes, I think it would be. I think it is always going to have a little bit of an effect if you feel if the players can feel galvanised by the by the support. Um, you know, we saw it in the title winning season because Leicester fans were coming into the the game so optimistic. It gave Leicester that little bit, that extra little boost, um, you know, to, in the running where it just felt like they were going to produce a performance because the whole team was behind them. And I think we saw it, I even saw it in the Champions League as well. I think mean, the Champions League atmosphere was really, really good, and that seemed to help Leicester produce better performances. So I think, yeah, it, you, I think you have to say it does affect the team. Um, I think that's probably natural on the players' part. Um, but I think Powell would also like to produce. He'd like his place to produce a performance, no matter whether the fans get behind him or not. I think it's an added benefit, but he, he needs his players to be able to do it, whether the fans are, uh, are cheering the hearts out or not. It's, it's always been a chicken and egg argument, hasn't it? What yeah. comes first, the performance or, and the fans backing, or vice versa? I think it's getting to the stage now where it's the players that have got to give the fans something yeah, to. Because I've I've seen the I've seen the Blue Army down here um, get behind the team every game from the kickoff. But then after 15 minutes, they've consistently seen their team go behind and struggle um, after that. So I, I, I think it's, it's now the team have got to give the fans something this year. I know the City fans will get behind the team from the first whistle. Whether they'll boo them at the end depends on that performance and that result. Um, but um, I think now it's, it's the players. and But that'll add extra pressure to these young lads because they probably haven't been in that sort of situation before where they think, blind if we don't perform today, then you know, we might get a few boos from our own fans. But... Um, that, that's the reality of being in the Premier League and playing for a big club like this. Yeah, I think I think they're probably starting to get used to it. I think there's a obviously when you're playing youth team games, you're not gonna you're not gonna experience any booze. But I think once you've had a few, yeah, I think it only it's gonna take ten or twenty senior games when you're gonna experience some kind of discontent among the crowd. So yeah, I think they'll be getting used to it. And I don't think it it would be having too much impact on them now compared to say. An eighteen-year-old making his debut. They, they they do have a little bit of experience, um, but yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. And I think you're right. It is about the start. I think finally at Spurs, Leicester didn't concede inside the first fifteen minutes. Um, so hopefully that's put to bed now, and Leicester can actually get the first goal and, um, uh, and and build from there. And hopefully we'll see both the players push the crowd on and the crowd push the players on well let's hope that's the case and we were uh, talking after the game about a positive performance and an ev- even more crucially a victory Jordan will be at the King Power Stadium doing a live blog during the game so you can uh, catch all the action on Leicestershire Live and we'll be bringing you all the build up to the game on Leicestershire Live as well and all the reaction after the game thank you for joining us on Dilly Ding Dilly Dong we'll see you next time